With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, good day. We have just seen Ronnie O'Sullivan claim his fourth Champion of Champions title, beating Judd Trump 10-6 in the final. Never mind his incredible 30-year career for a minute, Phil. Let's just reflect that at nearly 47, O'Sullivan is still the finest snooker player in the world, the one they've all got to catch. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? He's, uh, he's world champion, world number one. That's his second title since winning the world championship uh, in Hong Kong and then the champion of champions. Big, uh, glamorous events, the kind that suit him, the one-table setup. So people were talking about that all week, weren't they, how that suits Ronnie and it seemed like he's... It wasn't quite strolling to the title. Judd made that uh, competitive in the end. And also the Milkins match first up was reasonably competitive. But... Um, yeah, still a pretty comfortable win for O'Sullivan, which, as you say, is he approaches his 47th birthday. It's mad, really, isn't it? It really is. I was listening to a foot, bit of football on the radio earlier. They were saying, oh, the, which cliche was it? I think the cliche that a team would be looking for a goal just before half-time. And the context, I know it's a bit of a hoary old cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. And, of course, <laughs> that is what most cliches are. And the one about Ronnie being a big-time player... I mean, how much has that come to fruition in the last few weeks? Mm. I mean, maybe let's leave it to others to, to judge. I think we all have our own view of, of how much Ronnie gets up for certain events now. And there's no doubt. I mean, again, he made comments tonight, didn't he, that if I'm playing in front of 30 or 40 people, it's quite demotivating. Well, that wasn't the case in Hong Kong, clearly, with mm-hmm. not incredible crowds there. And although there weren't always great crowds this week, and we'll come to that, I think, uh, they were for Ronnie. He's playing in front of full houses. It looks special. It feels special, this event. And it has done from the word go since he came back in 13. And it's sort of come off the outcome of the man. Not just him, you know, Trump as well, and one or two other the big names definitely brought their top game to the table type thing. 
but none more so than Ronnie. He was just excellent, wasn't he, really? You know, for, for, for most of the week, you're right. Tested in the final, 6-1 up. Looked like it could be a very early night and a very early recording for us, Bill. But, but in the end, Judd made a real fight of it. We've got to say, of course, <laughs> big moment. Judd getting a one four seven. I mean, he made some headlines there. He came... He came second in the end, but my goodness me, that was an, another special moment to that maximum, wasn't it? Yeah, it was incredible because it uh, it came really out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I mean, no one four seven is sort of obvious in, when it's building up to. But Judd was really not playing well at all at that point, um, struggling. He was getting chances and missing them, uh, and that was a difficult one as well. I mean, after a few reds, it sort of looks like oh, this is on here. But the first one, you don't see many, if any. The first black of a one four seven going in the middle pocket uh, seemed very very unusual, um, and he took it brilliantly. Um, and then, not quite as impressive, but uh, very impressive as well, was to settle himself back down, get a chance in the next frame, and make ninety yard in that to win that as well. So, and that was just before the end of the afternoon session, wasn't it? So he wouldn't have wanted that to end because um, he really found something then. But to be fair, he came back in the evening and looked really good then as well. Um, I think there was more of the talk. After the 147 was about Ronnie's lack of congratulation, um, which did look bad, I suppose. You, you almost always would expect them to stand up and give a handshake, or I guess in Ronnie's case, it'd be a fist bump. Um, I've not heard anyone ask him about it yet. So I, I don't want to be con- too condemning of it because he might have it might have given him a little word which the camera didn't catch or something. But if he genuinely didn't do or say anything to him, then uh, yeah, that wasn't ideal at all, I don't think. No, I think that's fair. I, I feel like I'm not in total, and you suggested that there, I, I, I'm not uh, in total grasp of, of all the facts here. I don't feel like I saw every moment of that to totally comment, if I'm, t- if I'm brutally honest. It didn't look like that, that there was any great congratulations, but in, not that it's, it's Trump's duty, it's more the duty of the player that's just been watching the 147, actually. But he sort of didn't look at all across, did he? People made that point as well. Mm. But I think, to be fair, the onus is on Ronnie. But one, th- I have to say, talk through people, and what you do find, whatever Ronnie does, people will leap to the defence. So I'm, I'm very well, conscious of that. And to be fair, to some extent, fans of all the big players do, but I think particularly maybe with Ronnie. And sometimes, even if it's indefensible, this wasn't indefensible, far from it, but even when... For example, I thought in the world final it was indefensible when Ronnie ha- had a go at the referee then, but people still defended it. And that's the kind of thing you're dealing with. But, it, it, you know, people were making the point. They're made a lot now. It is a big final. You know, maybe it's not the time. I, I don't re. I can see the, the point, but I, I think ideally the custom has always been, hasn't it? And is it quite the same thing? Maybe not, but it makes me think a hole in one in golf. It doesn't matter if players are, are both going for the for the title. That doesn't happen very often, frankly. But the custom would still be to to offer big congratulations, really, to the guy that's mm. got a hole in one. And it's a bit like that in this sport, isn't it? I mean, usually the other player's delighted, isn't he? You know, I think we saw with Lasowski, he was almost more pleased than Selby looked when that won recently. You know, yeah, yeah. people, re- you know, are, you know. Going back to history when it was less less well known, of course, big big Bill Werbenick looking around the the dividing wall that time. That's going back decades, I know. But even now, the custom is generally for the other player to congratulate uh, the person making the one four seven. People were annoyed. Um, I, I can't summon up a, a great amount of of annoyance myself, but ideally, you, you 
you'd have probably seen a bit more for Ronnie. But is there any merit from you in that point that actually it's the big final and, you know, maybe it's given a bit of an advantage away to, to start start patting your opponent on the back? Yeah, well, there's not... I mean, there, there are other situations, like you said, like a hole-in-one or I think it's one hit a nine dart and the other guy would sort of congratulate them. But, you know, you don't... In a big sporting contest, <laughs> at any level, really, even though it's not a big final, you don't want your opponent to be playing well, do you? So he's not going to be over the moon about it. But it certainly is the... Um, tradition, I suppose you could say, or just sort of the general etiquette of the game. Um, I know some players were tweeting about it. Mark Allen tweeted in, he was not impressed at all. Um, I saw someone asked Rihanna about it. She said it poor form if you didn't say anything, do anything. Uh, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's two seconds. You don't need to give him the big world championship style hug that he did, but even a little nod or something like a pat on the shoulder as he's walking past him or something. Um, you, you would You would expect to see that, but yeah, I think I'm like you. I certainly wasn't sort of heading straight to Twitter to, to label him a disgrace for it. I don't think it's that big a deal. But um, I think, you know, it's something that is a slither of controversy that's so easily avoided, isn't it? Um, but as I say, someone will probably be asking him in a press conference now um, about it. And he may well say, oh, I said well done to him. And it just wasn't on the camera. So, you know, if that's the case, then fair enough. Yeah, uh, uh- yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm very conscious of that. That one of one of our you know colleagues that were there commentating or fans will say, actually, there was something. I, I don't feel in total possession of the facts, but from what I could see, Ronnie was sort of not looking in the direction necessarily of Trump and didn't offer congratulations. So maybe not ideal, but uh there definitely wasn't like an awkward moment where Judd was expecting him to come <laughs> and he didn't come. And Judd, Judd's sort of non-botheredness about it made me think that maybe it wasn't that bad. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's, it's certainly not a massive deal, but it got people talking. No, it did. And people, of course, talking throughout, about the final throughout the day. I mean, watchers and pundits like me and us are quite greedy. It got close, which I loved, 7 C. I would have just loved it to go on a little bit longer. I think it ended just after 9pm here in the UK. I think if it goes on a bit longer, 9.30, 10, before people have gone to bed, that's when you really, really get great viewing figures. It might have been a bit early for that, but I still think it would have been quite strong because Ronnie and Juddie's box office, and Mm. it got to 7.6, let's say it. I mean, it was 6.3 going into this evening, 7.3 straight away. You thought, it's it's looking sort of all over still. Then bam, bam, bang from Trump by 8 o'clock. I mean, these frames have all been played in no time. It's (laughs) 7.6, you know. They go to an interval, and the next one's obviously massive. And I thought that, well, all the last frames really, but the ones that went eight, six, nine, six, I thought was just sit back and admire the magic of O'Sullivan. Really, I thought it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I forgot which one of those two was. Ken Doherty was talking about little screw shots and stun shots around the pink, a lot of pinks to middle, and it was pure touch and. Yeah, I mean, we, we know he's a genius, and I, I thought that came to the fore, really. And what he is, is what Selby always gets credit for, and deservedly, and maybe Higgins does. Ronnie doesn't, because I think a lot, of, quite a lot of things are underrated with Ronnie. He's also a good one for shaking things off, you know. He did it at the Crucible with that Trump afternoon blitz. And again tonight, you know, OK, the interval came at a great time for Ronnie, frankly, because Trump was on a roll at 7-6. But... Uh, when he came out, it's a, it's a new situation now. I'm reapplying myself. I'm still one ahead. I'm still nearer the finish line than Judd Trump is. And, and he went on to win it. And I think, you know, showed his pure class. But he just loves this film. I mean, you say the fourth time. I think it's te- this is the 10th 
modern staging. So four out of 10, I mean, you know, you don't have to be the great mathematicians. Now that's a 40% strike rate of winning the bloody thing. <laughs> that's, that's tremendous. And, and against the competition that is always in this event, I mean, it's in all events, but um, I think it was Judd was saying earlier, is you don't, the draw never sort of opens up. It's always tough. Although you do sort of get some easy starts sometimes, but you're definitely going to have to beat um, two or three really good players over a reasonably long distance uh, in the modern game. You know, best of 11 is quite long uh, these days. Uh, but yeah, excellent. And I think you're right about that. He doesn't, apart from when you can tell he's not fussed about playing, he is really mentally strong because he didn't score a point in those three frames he mentioned that Judd brought it back. He didn't pot a ball and then made a century in two 80s, 80 odds. So it's amazing how unfazed he can be and just switch it on. But, um, but he was, I felt the whole tournament, he was sort of in that mode. He was at, he was enjoying the world championship, the, the pure business. Uh, his interviews were really sort of downplayed, low key, and just he was really focused and head on in all the games. Um, yeah, just really, uh, yeah, business like, isn't it? You can tell when he's trying, playing all the right shots. Uh, again, Xiaoxin Tong was a good, good one of that. He was, uh, he'd make breaks and then just really tie him up. It was a proper uh, schooling that match, really. But um, yeah, brilliant stuff, very impressive. No, he really has been. And uh, and I don't know who's, which one of the commentators was saying now. I think they were saying seven in the 11 finals that Trump had won against Ronnie, which I thought, goodness me, it does seem like he's won a fair few. And, and I thought that someone else, I can't remember who now on social media said, re replied to one of my tweets saying that, you know, obviously he'll be disappointed he lost. Um, but he'll almost be extra disappointed because he, he really does feel he has a beating of O'Sullivan, maybe mm. more than anyone else in the game feels. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's an immensely hard task to beat Ronnie every time you play him, but Trump shown he can do that. And listen, it happens. I mean, Trump went 7-1 up against Ronnie in that Masters final. These guys are so good, they can build up big leads, you know, even if they're playing one of their fellow top stars type thing. But I think 6-1 would have... He'll go away and think he'll need to learn a few lessons from that, I think, because... He, he, di he didn't really have, have his highest standards, did he? And to, to go that far behind is, is, is a lot. Yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't good, really, at all in those that first most of the afternoon session. And I'm not sure why. Um, he, was, he was disappointed with how he played, definitely, because uh, he, he was so good, especially that Allen game. He, was, he looked like he was right back to his best. So, uh, and he obviously showed bits of his best in the final, but um, he'll be frustrated that he wasn't there for the start. And, yeah, I mean... I mean, he nearly did wipe out that lead, didn't he, at 7-6? But 6-1 um, down to Ronnie O'Sullivan, you're giving yourself a, a very, very difficult task. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird one with him. He just He's still struggling for the consistency that he showed for a good two years where he never seemed to put in a bad performance, really, or very, very rarely. Um, he hasn't quite got it back. It's coming, I think, it's showing in flashes. As I said, the Allen game, considering how well Mark Allen's been playing recently, he was unreal. Um good against Selby and then yeah just good in parts here which would be that it'll be annoying for him but uh yeah it was the best performance of the season though definitely so far um the run to this final I think and obviously bits of the final so it's encouraging but uh yeah he's still he's still behind Ronnie at, at this stage isn't he he is just it comes to my mind now what is also encouraging just for us as, as snooker watchers and snooker lovers 
is how many of these guys are generally in good form going into the UK with, of course, this new UK format, top 16 going straight there to York. It makes me think, goodness me, we could be in for a very special tournament. And our next episode with Philip Studd will come your way on Friday and we'll look ahead to that UK Championship. And that will be in partnership with our friends at Sporting Life. And we can't wait for that. But let's maybe, before we worry about any of that, Phil, uh, talk at length about what's happened at this Champion of Champions and kick off then on, on Monday. Mark Selby beating Lee Walker 4-0. That was a match over in, in pretty quick time, it has to be said. And then John Higgins beating Hossein Vafai 4-2, which set up a match we were all really looking forward to. And it did not disappoint. I, I really felt that gave the, not the Champion of Champions really needs much oomph, but uh, if it, it gave it any oomph it did need it. It was a crappy <laughs> way to start it. Selby six, Higgins four, could have gone either way. Uh, Selby made a break of 140 in the match, and then Higgins made a 141. I mean, yeah. they had great scoring form, and it was always, you know, you would think going to go close. It did. It was a, it was a cracking way to start the tournament, and Selby, not as we'll come to, obviously lost next one down the line, but he's not quite at that level that we know. He's he's losing that Selby edge a bit, but he's almost getting a bit further along the line every time type thing. Yeah, definitely. It's a slow build-up. He was never going to click straight back into it, but he's shown some amazing signs. And yeah, that was a that was a brilliant match. It was a proper slugfest. It was so high quality, but uh, really intense, as you'd expect from those two. And uh, yeah, John, uh, John's sort of not winning as much as he'd like to at the minute, but he's losing high-quality games. He's playing all right. There was just that one in Belfast where he didn't play all right. But other than that, he still looked, he still looked good. Um, and yeah, that was very impressive to Selby. He does, as you say, he's... Uh, He's getting back. He's not his best, clearly, because he's still not like really been challenging for for trophies, and that's where you'd expect Mark Selby to be at his best. But he's getting closer, and uh, you wouldn't be surprised to see him picking up some silverware this season. Yeah, no, that's a, I definitely would agree with that. Um, well, Tuesday, what was in the air that day, Phil? <laughs> that, that was most of the week was definitely to the script, as we kind of indicated we thought it would be those big heavyweight players meeting every, every night. This wasn't. I mean, Ryan Day four. Hiram Wilson three was frankly not, not a great surprise. Ryan Day's a top, top, top player. But uh, Fang Zhengzi for Neil Robertson three really was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Breaks of 94 and 98 to win that one for Fan. And we didn't see that coming a week ago when we previewed this tournament. I don't think uh, anyone in Snooker saw it coming. Is it one win for Fan since that European Masters success? And yet he made it two and then we'll come to it. Of course, he then beat... Ryan Day, 6-5 in the evening. Breaks of uh, 135 and 130 uh, from Fan in that match, plus four more half centuries. Where did that form come from? Well, that's the thing with him. He's so unpredictable. No one no one anywhere thought he was going to win that European Masters last year. And then he went away again. Um, it didn't seem to be kicking on from it at all. And he would have come into the... I think he might have won a couple of games this season, um, qualifiers for events, because um, he played Neil. Uh, that would have been a first round, though. Um, a couple of weeks ago uh, in the Home Nations. Oh, right. um, Andy but, Hicks, didn't he, in a qualifier, I think? Yes, that was right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, he certainly wasn't showing anything to think he would just burst back into life again. But it's clearly there. He's clearly got it somewhere and he needs to work out how to get it to come out more often because his, his best is clearly very, very good. Uh, and he's still young. He's still only, what, 21, something like that. So he's got plenty of time. But um, yeah, he looks like he, he's a man for the big stage, as they were saying on that on that day. Because he won't have um, played in a one-table setup very often at all, 
Um, but he clearly likes it. And Neil was off it a bit that day, obviously. I mean, Neil, if Robertson's on it, he isn't going to lose to anyone, really. Um, so he clearly wasn't at his best, missed some chances. But he went 3-2 up. And you thought, oh, OK, he's not been great here, but he'll get over the line. And then uh, fans' last two frames were absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, very impressive. And then that game against Day was also brilliant. Um, obviously, no one expected that to be the match we were watching, but they, they didn't let us down. Uh, all, all 11 frames, it was, uh, it was a great one. It was. I mean, Ryan Day would have played an awful lot worse than that in his career in one matches. I mean, mm. he was so very good himself, actually. And it, it was a, a top... A top um, you know, day that one actually because all, all all the matches went went all the way. It was you know, I think that was the day when there was hardly any turnaround, was there? I think it must have finished after six that that second one. So it was yes, it, yeah. It made me think how sport we are again because it was virtually snook all the way from lunchtime till sort of late at night. It was brilliant. Yeah. No quarter given, and that's good, isn't it? Because I think you well, we both already sort of suggested this certainly at different times when we talked about this tournament during the history of this pod. Um, and people, I know, wrote to me about this this week, that they feel that the early stages are a little bit of a weakness of this. If weakness is the right word, because by its nature, it is champion of champions, and you have the seniors champion in there, well, women's champion. So there are kind of more, uh, not left field events, but, you know, events where you'd have players lower down the rankings tending to, tending to win them. And actually, if we're honest... It's not that cynical to say it was cynical when they made the World Seniors Champion part of this. They did it when Jimmy won it, if you remember. I think that, yeah. that was kind of the reason, because they wanted the big bucks and the big box office of Jimmy, and they kind of kept it in, um, which is OK. But it does often mean that those afternoon matches are, are not always great contests, but that wasn't the case on Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And... Uh... Yeah, I saw some people saying that the seniors champion shouldn't be in there or whatever, but I think, I mean, it's quite low. They have a list, don't they? And it's quite low down the sort of order. It's just that people win multiple events. Because even with the seniors champion in there and the women's champion in there, Selby was in having not won an event. He was in on the rankings. Yeah. So if you, if you were to get rid of those, you just have more people off the world rankings. And uh, while that's a fine sort of solution to a problem, you don't, you don't really want that in the champion of champions here because that negates the whole point of the tournament. Uh, and I quite like it because you don't, you know, you don't see these players rafted on TV. Uh, the senior champion, the women's champion, is a nice, it's just a nice bonus for them as well. Um, and yeah, and yeah, realistically, never thought either of those guys was going to win their match, but and they didn't. But Mink gave Zhao a bit of a fright, I think. Uh, I don't know what was up with Zhao that day, he didn't play very well at all, but uh. It got very tense with Mink. It did. Well, he's a funny one, you know, isn't he, Shouting Tom? We, we said it um, before with him. His strike rate is marvellous. When, when he goes deep, he tends to win the thing. Did it in the UK, did it in Germany. But he he, he often doesn't reach those kind of levels. Um, he's a bit unpredictable. I mean, you know, no reason why he wouldn't be at his age. He's still sort of, you know, learning and, and gaining that experience. And he has won the UK Championship, which is absolutely m- marvellous. But he, yeah, he doesn't always bring that sort of top level game to the table. He didn't really do that on on Thursday. Just to say, I, I also like just to clarify, I also like the spreading it around. But I can also when you the seniors, women's champion, and, and different elements of the game. But I suppose the point is that people make 
it it sort of probably lags behind something like the Masters mm. in that sense, and everything from the start of the Masters is electric, and that doesn't quite have that element. But to be fair, I, I don't think the Champions Champions pretend to be as, as as top level as the Masters, but that's maybe something that that, that it, it might mean it's a bit lower than the pecking order. But anyway, Thursday, Ronnie O'Sullivan for Robert Milkins two. And uh, yeah, as you say, real, real old battle that Xiaoxing Tong for Mink Nutrak to uh, game. Well, I think Mink's a very nice play, you know, and I think she's, you know, we mentioned it before, she's got so much potential because the age she is, the experience she's getting now at such a young age. So we really do think there's plenty more to come then. Bit of a non-event in the evening in terms of a contest. Ronnie O'Sullivan, six Xiaoxing Tong, one, two centuries and two half centuries from Ronnie. And uh, he had a bit of a battle against Milkins, but... It, it was kind of easy street that night and not saying that you then thought what he would go and win it, but you thought he's got in the semis and he hasn't really had a workout there. So that, that's good signs. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, Zhao didn't play great all day, really. He sort of struggled through against Mink and then um, you thought he might turn it on a bit against Ronnie, but it wasn't great then either, but Ronnie played really well. So uh, he would have beaten it most people and so it's not not too much of a shame but yeah we'd like to see more from from Zhao um it, it looked like you know when he won the German so quickly after the UK like oh but the hell this could be it's like a proper superstar right now um he hasn't done loads since then uh and he, he is young he's not that young is he he's sort of 25 26 isn't he so I mean that is young but it's not look it's not so much so you can be like as an excuse for uh things really um, but yeah, I'm sure he just he's just very inconsistently. But hopefully, we'll see more from him. Um, but yeah, then when Ronnie set up that semi with Fan, who obviously Fan beat Ronnie in the European final, so it wasn't a foregone conclusion. But it did look like he was going to win there, so it did. Um, yeah, it sort of felt like that was it was becoming more and more Ronnie's Ronnie's week uh, when that the draw sort of landed for him that way. But um, yeah, uh, now I'll just give my uh, plug my piece that I did with Mink last week. Uh, while we're talking about her, uh, went down to Victoria's, had a lovely chat with her. She's she's uh, as, as nice as she comes across. Um, <laughs> and uh, English is actually really good. I was a bit concerned, uh, having seen a couple of post-match interviews with her, but I think she was probably just nervous because uh, uh, her English is actually really good. So, yeah, if you haven't read that, uh, look it up because uh, she's got an interesting story, obviously. No, definitely. And how, how generally was your visit to Victoria's? You, you, you always speak glowingly of... of uh of the scene in there and uh, plenty of players around, I imagine? There were, yeah. Ashley Hugel's always there. I had a chat with him. Um, who I said hi to Yambing Tao. Um, a couple of the other Chinese guys was there. Kao Yu Peng was there. Um, I forget who else. Oh, the Ukrainian guys there. Kazakov was there. Um, yeah, it's an amazing place. Just a real hive of high-quality snooker going on. Um, and yeah, so yeah. if, if And anyone can go in and play these guys. It's, I've said it a few times, but it's quite amazing, really. You can go and have a frame with the Yambing Tower if, if, if you want. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't embarrass myself doing it myself. <laughs> if you fancy it, it's available. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd have to be quite in a quite kamikaze mood to walk into Victoria's and say, fancy a frame <laughs> yeah, though, wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> me or you, people like us. That would be ludicrous, wouldn't it? You know? <laughs> It would, yeah. It would just be a quick humiliation and then back out again, I think. <laughs> uh, where were we? The Friday semi-final. Judd Trump beating Mark Selby at 6-3. Uh, 
Was it a 3-3 when Selby smashed that black and it bounced off? I, 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 I'm going to say I think it was. I didn't feel that sorry for Mark there because he bloody whacked it so hard. I, I thought, well, if you're going to hit it that hard, you might that might happen. I don't know what yeah. you... <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. I can't remember what frame it is. I only watched the highlights of this one. But, um, yeah, I know what you mean. That is, yeah, it seems like an unselby thing to do. But, yeah, I know what you mean. It is that you make the shot a ris- much riskier if you do that, don't you? We do. But then tr- Trump from that, I mean, you know, we, we, we love our turning points, but that, that felt like, and I think it was at 3-3, three, three, um, Trump then, uh, you know, made a dash for the finish line. He was a, a very good winner. And as I say, uh, Selby is almost at the tournament winning level, actually. He's not. He's really not far away. He's, at times, he's really showing, you know, very Selby-esque kind of characteristics, but maybe not quite there yet. But uh, as I say, it could come at the UK. That would be a good time for it to come. And it's, you know, 18 months now since his last title. But we have the proviso of saying that an awful lot of that time was spent with him, um, you know, addressing very serious mental health problems, let's be clear. And, you know, while while he was doing that, he wasn't even playing for a while. He pulled out at the end of last season and obviously he was dealing with those. So, you know, it is... It is in a factual way, 18 months, but we have to always, I think we have to caveat that, don't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And he never really was playing awful even before, when he came back at the World Championship, I remember thinking he's got no real chance here, but he played really well. Uh, that game with Jan was amazing, really. He was only narrowly beaten in that. So, um, yeah, his, his form never completely abandoned him and it's, it's getting back slowly and slowly and surely. So, uh, he's going to be he's going to be a proper threat at all these tournaments. Getting to the semis of this and uh, giving Judd a good run there when Judd was playing so well is more good signs for him. Very much so. And that was Judd into the final, and he was joined uh, on Saturday night by Ronnie O'Sullivan, who beat Fang Zhengzi at six two. And I, you know, you're right to mention that final that, that Fan famously won against Ronnie, but. I think Ronnie was a good favourite going into that. It didn't it never really looked like it would be in any other outcome. Really, there was, a, there was a sort of foregone conclusion about it. I think really uh, as that match developed, and then going into the final, well, I had a Twitter poll, and I'm always a bit conscious because someone pointed out to me, has Ronnie ever lost a Twitter poll? I, I think maybe he hasn't, but uh, <laughs> not one that I put up. But it was, it, I think it was sixty-two thirty-eight in favour of Ronnie, and I, I wouldn't have put it as wide as that. But I think Ronnie was probably just about the favourite, actually. If if you consider he just won the world final against Judd six months ago, it's not that long ago in snooker terms. So he's got that's a big psychological element, I think, to this one. I know Judd's won plenty of finals against Ronnie, but Ronnie's just won in Hong Kong. There's not much between them the way they played this week, but just about favoured Ronnie, but knew it would, you know, be a superb contest. It ended up being just, you know, maybe not quite superb, but close to it with with seven six it became ten six we can't be greedy it was, it, it was a good one i think we were we, we it was a fitting end to a, another let's be honest top week yeah i don't, I don't think it quite quite get into the category of classic final but not far off really it was still yeah you're right it was very good um and having not looked like it was going to be that good at one point it certainly became very good uh and yeah it is um as good a, as good a tournament as you'd hope for really i suppose we didn't quite. I mean, there was those shocks early on, and denied us maybe you know a Robertson Ronnie semi final that could have uh, spiced things up a bit. But yeah, like you say, you can't be too greedy. There was uh, there was great stuff. That top half was as you'd expect to, wasn't it? Just great, 
great matches, Selby Higgins, Trump Allen, great for different reasons, just because Trump was so, so good. It was one-sided, but it didn't matter. Um, and yeah, it all building up nicely, as you say, to the UK with, uh, without, with a lot of players looking pretty good. Very much so. Um, good coverage from ITV. And we should say that um, there's been some news, isn't there? ITV uh, signing a new deal to continue showing five events. So that's the the three in that series, isn't there? The mm-hmm. World Grand Prix Players and Tour Championship, British Open, and this one, Champion of Champions. Five terrific events until 2024. We're lucky as snooker fans. We're spoiled, aren't we? Yeah, always really good on there. I, I noticed that that didn't mention the mixed doubles. Um, and we hear that that's, that is going to come back, but I guess that didn't confirm it. It's probably just on a separate contract or something. But yeah, those five uh, are all really good. Uh, the British Open's been a great return, hasn't it? Um, was uh, was brilliant this year. I know the sort of sh- short formats last year weren't the best, but um, they got better this, this year, and that's that's an excellent um, sort of addition to the the tour. So yeah, um, always always really good events on ITV. So good to hear. Good news. Yeah, good point about the World Mixed Doubles. I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I, I'm thinking that might be on a bit more of an ad hoc basis and they probably will be shown but there isn't that commitment for the yeah. um, situation but really good news loads of events on free to air television and uh, at a time when you know many sports have found themselves drifting away and wanting now to get back snooker's in that healthy position of having loads of events on on free to air television more comments from judge trump uh about um about the, the direction of the game and I think suggested, you know, this week that many people in the game are perhaps not of the age or the experience that they can really relate to more young people, and uh, that certainly, you know, got an interesting reaction, uh, didn't it? Had <laughs> both yeah. things do on social media, but um, but you know, he, he definitely wants to see changes, and he definitely doesn't think they're happening quickly enough. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and. Um... Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? You were saying a lot of people that run the game are sort of older, which, you know, that is that is the case in almost anything, isn't it, really? You don't get too many 20, 30-year-olds like, in charge of big businesses, do you? It just doesn't happen. Um, well, how old is can... Elon Musk? I don't know, actually. It's hard to tell. He's a very odd-looking bloke, isn't he? Um, but, yeah, I suppose they can employ people of a certain of a younger age to, to do things over. Um yeah, I mean, he was sort of, he's, he's sometimes a bit vague about what he wants, actually wants to happen. But when he was after the match, when he was talking to, I think it was Alan and Ken, um, and he was gone. He's, he's, he's 51. Who Musk is. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Wow. I thought he was 30 something. That is, that is, wow. That, that's why I always avoid fixtures and fittings. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was talking about there's just a fan experience, wasn't he? And uh, he said he made some quite interesting comments. He said he'd been to quite a lot of other sports, looking at what they do for fans on game day, and uh, what he would, you know, he's saying in comparison, snooker does almost nothing. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe some would think that's a bit too harsh, but I don't think anyone would argue that it could be drastically improved. Um, just things to do. Before sessions, um, in the middle of the two sessions, um, just to make the whole thing more appealing um, for fans to to go to. So, 
Um, you know, these things aren't going to sort of revolutionise the game or change anything overnight. But uh, I think, yeah, certainly there's there's improvements that can be made in terms of fan attending spectator experience. I, I got a little link off here while I was looking up to, I think old Jack Dorsey, he must be, he must sort of be one. Of the, he's 45. Bloody hell. Yeah. He, these guys have been obviously been around longer than he's kind of realised. Um, yeah. Interesting to say this week, there was a, uh, some sort of dance competition. I saw some clips, people getting quite into it. Mm. I think they could do a dance off for, to win a queue. I think something like that. So, but the, <laughs> A sentence I didn't thought I didn't think I'd be uttering anytime soon, Phil. Um, this week is obviously an example of something that is a bit innovating. Look, mm. I mean, yeah, let's not change the essence of a day and night out of the snooker, but let's maybe look for improvements. I mean, my last live event with the World Mixed Double, I have to say, uh, the foyer of that had all the excitement of a wet Sunday in the seventies, a, a, a <laughs> rainy Sunday. It was it was pretty limp. Actually, on every level, it was quite. Uh, I mean, tired would, would doesn't doesn't do it justice. And there probably there probably needs to be a little bit little bit more in the way of sort of fan experience. Actually, because you know, in this day and age, there are so many entertainment options. Everybody, not just snooker, no matter what you are. I mean, you go to cricket now. You know, not not I didn't actually this summer. Very unusual for me, but you know, historically, I've been to an awful lot of cricket and. You know, children can play little games on the outfield, you know, all the parts of the ground now. There are different games you can play. Uh, I went to racing towards the end of last year at Newbury. There was a carousel there for children. Uh, you know, so eh, eh, what I'm saying is we're not picking on our, the sport we love and talk about the most here. Everybody has to try and do things now. Because, mm. You know, en entertainment is important. It's an important part of sport. And I think, you know, we probably could do a little bit better. What, while not being unrealistic, we shouldn't reach for the stars and start having clowns doing, you know, <laughs> silly acts as you come in, Phil, or things like that. You know, let's keep the essence of snooker. But at the same time, we could do better than a sort of wet, rainy Sunday in the 70s type thing. Yeah. And it is really hard because th these venues aren't like the snooker, aren't world snookers, are they? They just pitch up at these places um, and to like bring all your entertainment with you or whatever it is. So, um, it is tricky. It's not like it's not like an obvious obvious answers to these questions, but certainly we're thinking about. And it's good that Judd wants to improve things uh, and has ideas. Uh, I, I I do get a bit annoyed when people react to him just sort of telling to shut up effectively um, and just sort of get back in your box and stick to playing, um, even if you disagree with every idea he's ever said. I think he should be able. He should be encouraged to to think about things and suggest them. Uh, but yeah, uh, so we'll see. We'll see if anything happens. Um, as, as I said before, I don't think anything is going to sort of revolutionise the game. Or you know, they wear polo shirts in this tournament. Yeah, it, it, does that? I don't know if that changed anything. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I guess they're just long-term things. Uh, but yeah, even if you sort of disagree with uh, his stuff, he says about sort of the dress code and things. I don't think anyone would disagree with wanting to have more things to do when you go to a snooker tournament. Uh, so, yeah, I think it should be encouraged, his, his thinking. Someone else, someone pointed out, it might have been the snooker goths, actually, about never being offered the chance to, to play. And 
I'm not actually sure that's that can be strictly the case because there is that Q zone, isn't there, where people can uh, um, play shots. So I guess they mean it, it could be done in a in a sort of deeper way where people can actually you know three or four tables to have a go at. I don't know how practical that is. Maybe not. It would obviously be an expense involved. Mm. But I thought it was an interesting tangent to go down that you know giving people the chance to play a game. You know, at some stage during the day, you know, or perhaps more of that than there is an offer at the moment. I thought there was something in that, you know, because um, because it, it's not like a, you know, it, it, it is a sport you you can do. You can you, you know, or maybe maybe pool tables. I don't, I don't know, but that that could be a start anyway. I know they have the Q zone, but maybe something a bit more like that, the blue ball challenge. That I still think I did well on in Phil. I'm saying that I'm still saying I did all right. Everyone says miles wide. I'm not having that. Humidity, humidity, first go. Question yeah. of Matt Hewitt taking it video, all those mm. things. Anyway, m- more like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I liked that point. Um, you know, you could maybe have like a shootout frame with a pro that's there or a coach or something, so everyone gets ten minutes on uh, uh, to play an actual frame. Uh, that'd be good. It's just so hard. Is it? It's just, yeah, they're just the nature of snooker. Snooker tables. You can't just pop up wherever you want. Um, uh, it's they're very unwieldy and they're a lot of effort to put up anywhere, especially you know if you've got more than one. If you want in a sort of fan zone, it takes up a lot of space as well. But yeah, that would be that would be really cool if the Q zone was. Um, they are quite popular at events, aren't they? But if that was more of a sort of event in itself that people would be excited to go to, you know, if it was as I say, have a ten minute frame with a pro that's just sort of knocking around, um, that would be something that. Uh, people would generally be excited about going to do when they went to snooker, so that would be cool. Um, yeah, I guess all this stuff just would need a big sort of brainstorming idea of uh, coming up with all sorts of things at venues, but space and money and it's all all the problems. But um, as Judd said again when he was speaking to Alan and Ken, like just hopefully it would be an investment that would pay back because uh, crowds sort of early on in tournaments and this one just gone are not that great really. I remember. I think it was the, the Tuesday, whenever Day played Fan. I know it's Day against Fan, but I guess that wouldn't have made too much difference because people would have bought their tickets before. Um, it was pretty empty, really, uh, which wasn't great. No, I felt I felt they were good from Thursday onwards, actually. Uh, yeah. And, and, and virtually full, if not totally full, for, for, for the rest of it. But, you know, it was a slow start. And I certainly remember the days of Coventry. I think this, this event used to have big crowds almost every day. I think the economy is a big factor. Uh, I, I think mm. people don't have the spare cash. That, that's what I feel. And uh, as you know, much like yourself, I, you know, keep a keen eye on the number of sports. And th- this is something that's happening across the board. I mean, I'm, I'm following and covering a lot of the Rugby League World Cup, and some of the crowds in that in this tournament have, have not been very good, and and mm. a number of nuanced reasons for it. They probably priced it too high, actually. But I think a lot of it is people haven't got the spare cash. This is not yeah. a snooker problem. And I like to make that quite clear. It's not a snooker problem. This is a problem across society for theatres, for music concerts, for everything. But it was a factor. You could see, you know, and, and it sticks out a bit more, the champion, the champions, I think, because we have used been used historically to seeing it quite full every day, if you know what I mean. Mm. In the same way that when you put an event on in Clandidno, perhaps with the exception of that one they had at Christmas, that is nearly always full. Certain venues or, or certain events, when the, when the crowds aren't good, it sticks out more. Like the home nations, you know, without being impolite, they're pretty small crowds and nearly all of them actually early on. But this one, I think it it didn't 
look great, did it? It stuck out more. Yeah, well, any of the one-table ones when when they're, they're quiet look worse because at least in the multi-table ones, even though you would expect most people to be on the main table, you can always think, oh, they'd be watching. There, there are other people there that's watching other games, but clearly in a tournament like this, they're not. Um, and, yeah, it's not even, I don't know how many people it holds there, but it's not a massive um, arena, is it, really, uh, in Bolton? Uh, so for it to be sort of notably quiet means there really are very few people there um but yeah you're right of course it's uh everyone's a bit worried at the minute about cash so it's gonna be interesting what the uk is like obviously that's always very well attended but york york is not a cheap place to go for a weekend or anything a hotel's very expensive um so hopefully i'm sure that still will be fine but uh we'll see how that goes because even even the big one like that could be hit for the same reasons that you just mentioned I've heard quite encouraging noises about the, about the ticket sales for that, but you're right; it, it will it will be interesting because it's quite big that Barbican. You know, having been there last year, reminding myself, I sat quite often at that top part. Quite liked it actually; quite a good view from up those top seats, very comfortable seats up there. It's a big old arena. You know, sometimes when you're watching on telly, you think, "Oh, it's you know, it's fairly big." Then it's only when you go to York you remind yourself yeah it goes right high up there a lot of seats and uh, yes smashing venues to come and we can't wait for the UK qualifiers underway Phil we should maybe uh, move on to, to those and well we, we've been saying you know quite a few times recently that, that old Jimmy Jimmy White doesn't always seem very very happy when we see him he's been happy this time so he's had two 6-0 wins against Victor Sarkis and Mitchell Mann 12-0 aggregate for Jimmy yeah incredible he doesn't uh doesn't win too many games, although I think that's his third and fourth win this season. He's won a couple of qualifiers, so um, doing all right. And yeah, you can't get any better than 6-0, 6-0. Um, Victor Sarkis, the new pro from Brazil, who I saw in Sheffield outside the Crucible on Friday when I was walking to the pub and he was taking a selfie outside the Crucible. Um, but that didn't do him any favours, though, because he got battered the next day by the whirlwind. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I've seen Victor play a bit. And he, he's obviously could play a bit. Um, but I guess Jimmy winning, beating him is not a massive surprise. But beating Mitchell Mansell is is quite something. Um, so, yeah, very impressive. And he's earned himself a match with Stephen Maguire. So if you can beat him by any score, never mind 6-0, that would be a really big story. Uh, but, yeah, great, uh, great for Jimmy. He's uh, going strong at 60 years old. Very much so. And, uh, well, we should say that Onyi had a win at 6-4 against Jensen Kendrick. But I think looking at the, the live score, she's actually now lost 6-0 to Matthew Stevens. And uh, Mohamed Ibrahim, who had a win, is also out. She's just looking at some of the scores that are coming through, uh, losing 6-0 to, to Mark Joyce. Uh, Wu Yizza beating Farak Ajay 6-1, another one on the list here. This is coming through results on this Sunday here in the UK. Andy Hicks, a 6-1 winner against Dean Young. You were making the point before we came on air, Phil. And that, that Hicks and Young falls into this category. A lot of wily old heads getting results against some of the sort of young guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's obviously it's great for them. Um, but it's not been, yeah, it's not been a great set of results so far for sort of well the future of snooker to make it sound quite dramatic. But I guess it is that. Um, you know, Liam Davies, who's sort of the brightest young talent in the UK, or one of them, um, he was four-one up against Alfie Bird and lost six-four. Um, Liam Graham lost. I'm just flicking through a few of them here. Uh, both the young Belgians lost. Julian Clerk, Ben Ben Mertens. Um, there are a couple of others. Aaron Hill lost. Um, so yeah, a lot of the 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 young talents uh, out straight away. 
Well, uh, I did see Dylan Emery won his first round. He's he's one of the bright young talents as well. And there were a couple of others. It wasn't all doom and gloom. But um, yeah, not not a great uh, tournament so far for the young guns. Um, but a very good one for, as you put it, the wily old heads, the the grizzled veterans showing what they can do. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of fast and furious. A lot of people already played twice um, this weekend, so um, they're going to be very busy. So Dwayne Jones, he beat Rianne and then he beat Louis Heathcote, and then he's got McGill. I'm not sure that he might be playing, yeah, in the next couple of days anyway. So yeah, very busy for these guys coming in at the first round. Very much so. The Michael White, I always think he's a, a smashing player. He he's had one win already. And looking at the scores here, he's about to win against Zhang Jianghang. So that will be two wins so far and qualify for him. He's 5-1 up and he's about to go get over the line to win that 6-1. Our old friend Fergal O'Brien losing tonight, but he's 5-2 down to Robbie Williams. Uh, but Williams had that great run, didn't he? Was it Northern Ireland? He had that really good run. So uh, that's... Um, oh, was it the British? Sorry, was it the British? My apologies. Yeah, because he lost that semi to Ryan Day, didn't he? Of course he did. I've been writing. I've been getting. I've been writing so much about the British and Northern Ireland. I knew. I knew. I'd <laughs> eventually get them, getting them mixed up. Uh, quite a good match in progress. Um, Stuart Carrington and Lucas Kleckers. That's a two-two, and, and uh, Gerard Green three-three was Astrid Iqbal. These are all live scores, and it's you know we should say, snooker.org, which I'm looking at now, is a great resource for live results, mm-hmm. and also WST, which uh, I think is far from a, a great website in many ways but they do I think it's hard to navigate to be honest but they do the live scoring pretty well mm-hmm. I think I know it does break down from time to time but looking at it now you know it you know when it works it's pretty reliable and there's uh there's 13 points less so it looks like Michael White there 18 ahead is going to get a 6-1 win and um, he's the kind of guy that I quite like to get see get through to the UK I always, I mean, his ranking is ridiculous, Michael White, isn't it? When you actually think how good he actually is. Well, yeah, because he only just came back onto tour, didn't he? And uh, he's he's going to sort of make a mockery of that ranking quite quickly because he's shooting up shooting up the rankings. Um, and yeah, if he does get through, if he does win this one tonight, he's got Zhao Yulong in the next round. So that, that's a real tough test for him. But um, one, he's very capable of passing. And if, if he went through from round one, four, four matches under his belt, um, he would not be one that any of the seeded players would fancy drawing in York. Um, yeah, he's playing great. I, I saw a bit of his first round win against Jake Crofts, who's the youngster from Sheffield, um, and he made a load of big breaks. Um, he played really well in qualifier recently. He must have been the uh, the Scottish qualifiers. Um, yeah, he's just looking really good, um, which we obviously know he is. He's been in top 16, won ranking events. So um, he's starting to show that form again. Um, yeah, and the coverage it has been on. It has been on. I've been watching it on the Eurosport app over the weekend, but with no commentary. But then it is commentary from Monday morning with Dave Hendon and Phil Yates and Stephen Holworth doing it. Um, so that'll be that'll be good from Monday to Thursday. I think it ends on Thursday. I think it does. I think and and that, and that commentary is new, isn't it? And that, and that's mm. going to add, you know. You're right. It, it, it's new in, in, in terms of we had not qualified quite like this before for the UK, and we had not qualified uh, commentary until this Monday. And you know, they're looking at the list here that you mentioned some of the games already. There are there are some some very interesting ones actually. Anthony McGill, Dwayne Jones, uh, you mentioned there. Uh, Tom Ford, Alfie Burden, uh, Nopon Sankam, Andy Lee, uh, Lee Hang, Dominic Dale. That's Stephen Maguire, Jimmy White. Uh, 
game, Jimmy Robertson against Zusi. So there's some there's some really interesting matches coming on coming on, and uh, you will be able to see that. That song will be on the US Sport Player and Discovery, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's on, Fa- on the World Snooker Tour Facebook and YouTube as well. Yes. Um, they made it very available. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so, yeah, there'll be plenty. And these qualifiers are sort of packed. There's a lot going on. So uh, there'll be plenty of snooker to watch this week. It'll be good. Very much so. And to remind you, our next episode in partnership with Sporting Life, we're not going to have as quick a turnaround uh, for obvious reasons that the... Uh, the televised stages of the UK, televised proper, I mean, underway in terms of the BBC as well next weekend. So we want to get our preview in before that. So we'll be along with you on Friday uh, with Philip Studd, one of this sport's best-known voices, the Eurosport commentator, will join us to look ahead to the UK Championship, the first Triple Crown event of the season. I think we're probably on any other business stage, uh, Phil, you know, have you got anything more, sir? We're very much reflecting on the champion of champions and that's a terrific win for Bonnie O'Sullivan. But we've now got UK in our, our minds. Haven't we? You're going to some of the qualifiers, aren't you, I think? I will be popping in, yeah, probably Wednesday and Thursday because they're sort of judgment days like they do at the World uh, Championships. Um, I'm going down to see the, some of the 900 tomorrow, uh, popping down to Reading. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I've, I've watched quite a lot of that. It's been really enjoyable, so... I'm getting to go and look a bit behind the scenes and what's going on. Um, so that'd be fun. Um, the old club that I used to play in there when I lived down there. Uh, I think that's been a real hit. I don't know what the, the figures have been like or anything. I know Dave Henton mentioned on Snoo Scene Podcast, it's been the best sort of watch thing on that channel, on Sporty Stuff TV that they've ever had. Um, I'm not sure how what, what that's compared to really, but it's still very good news and it's been, uh, been a lot of fun. Been some real drama. Um, I watched Michael Holt lose uh, in a very unfortunate way. Um, he did have some chances in this frame, um, but it was a fluke right at the end as the clock was ticking down that cost him. Um, and uh, I tweeted about it. And then about five minutes later, he rang me and it was like midnight. And I was like, what is he? I thought he was really annoyed with a tweet or something, but he was just driving back to Nottingham really annoyed. <laughs> And uh, it was late at night and he just didn't want to, he just needed something to keep him awake. So he was just ranting to me about how unlucky he was for a good 20 minutes. <laughs> so that was a good little insight. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'll go down there and I'll probably write a piece about that. And Tony Drago is playing, I've never met before. So uh, I'll have a chat with him. So that'd be good. Um, other business. Oh, I don't think we've mentioned, there was all that controversy at the start of the week about Henry pulling out, wasn't it, of the yeah. of the UK Championship, which... It was all just very unfortunate. I think it, I think everyone came out of that quite badly uh, in terms of uh, WST probably could have scheduled his matches to avoid it, but then should they really have to do that? Surely the playing should be more important than punditing if you've got a tour card. Um, then it was annoying that they couldn't just put in a replacement for him and Padgett got a walkover. I know like Stephen Holworth again, he was very, very annoyed about that. Um, I'm not even sure if he was next on the list, but just the um, the principle of it that someone should go in there. So it was all yeah, it was all just a bit of a mess, wasn't it? It was, but I mean, you can say the whys and wherefores of this particular case, but it, it, it's been a very half-hearted effort, really, from from Hendry. And I, I don't think that's controversial or, or rude or mean to say that. I, I, it's not. It, I, I wouldn't quite say I don't see the point of it, but because he can ultimately do what he wants. He's Stephen Hendry. I don't think it detracts from his legend at all. I think his, his legacy and everything is secure. But I just think if he really wanted to make a sort of 
late career or returning career dash for a little bit of success here and there. He needs to apply himself more. He's just half-heartedly, you know, it's not the first time this has sort of happened. This specific example might be, but I think he has he forgotten to enter at times or didn't fill in the right form or didn't get sent the right form. It's all a bit, it's all a bit sort of half-baked, really. And I, and I felt that almost in the word go, really, where he didn't, he announced he was coming back and didn't play for about six months. But listen, it's not something that I'm going to lose sleep over for a minute, Phil. Uh, and I'm sure you're the same, but I just feel like he hasn't really gone for it. And it's been it's been quite boring. And that's the last thing it should have been. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? And I think the only way he could have garnered any sort of success, and he wasn't coming back to try and win tournaments. I mean, there would have been something at the back of his mind thinking, maybe I could, but it was that was never likely. But to have any sort of success of even because he really wants to be playing in front of packed audience in in a nice event, uh, one table setups, uh, and to have any chance of even getting to those, he just needed to play and play and play and find something and uh, practicing and entering tournaments and getting as much sharpness back as possible. But um, just turning up for the odd event every so often, it was just never going to work, was it? Um, and yeah, usually. I don't care at all because someone else just takes his place. But it is I've, that is annoying in this draw that he that took a place and then someone else, and then it was gone. Um, that that's kind of unacceptable. And he he will have said, I think he felt that he had to. He didn't know he entered and then didn't know his gaze. It would have been his second game. Would have been today. So that's why it would have clashed. But it's just yeah. It's if if there's anything that comes ahead of playing a professional super match, especially in the UK Championship, then you shouldn't really have a card, should you? That's your job as a professional snooker player. Like, yeah. There shouldn't be anything that you're not playing in the UK Championship because you're doing instead. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't imagine... he. Well, I was I was actually quite surprised when he got the second tour card because he didn't play very much in the first one. Um, but if it carries on like this, I'd, I'd be surprised if they give him another one. And I'd be surprised if he wanted it, really, because what's the point? Yeah, a little bit like that. And you're right, Stephen Hallworth's been one of the most vociferous, but he's also found an ally in Mark Williams, who's also been very outspoken about it, saying how he uh, he doesn't think it's been a very good episode at all, really. And you're right. I mean, different rules apply to this Hendry in a way. Well, that shouldn't be the case, but that feels like it is the case. And he's a big high-profile pundit, and I get that. But it's a, not quite saying it's a little boy that, the boy that cry wolf type thing, but... When he's like, oh, you know, I, 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 they scheduled me, I was doing TV, but it's a bit like, well, this is like the fourth or fifth different sort of reason or excuse now. It feels a little bit to me. So I say, it just feels a little bit half-baked from Andrew. Absolute great. His legacy and his incredible career has not been altered by, by this. So, that, you know, I've, I've always felt that would be the case, even if it didn't really work out. But I thought it wouldn't work out, probably if he didn't get enough results. But he's not, he's, as I say, he's not really given giving himself the best chance to get results, is he? Because, you know, as I say, not really not really going for it. And, yeah, we obviously won't see him at this UK Championship, but would, uh, we'll see him on television. And that, that's a silly thing in a way. It's like that, as you sort of suggested, that's what he does now, really. He's a television mm-hmm. fan. And it's almost like, well, why, why have you come back to play? John Virgo, again, I was listening to our episode with Virgo only the other day, actually, as how much I, I like it. And it... it he expressed it quite well. He didn't. He didn't understand it. If you remember, he's like, I don't mm. know what he's done. It. He can't get results really on the senior tour, or hardly. Why is he doing this? And again, Henry can do what he wants. You know, and I think Virgo himself said, you know, 
whatever gets this up, him out of bed. And maybe in the winter when he's not playing so much golf, he, he wants to do snooker. But as I say, it's just been a bit, it's just been a bit kind of disappointing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no one's really got much out of it. Um, that first game back were, was great. They got a lot of attention in it against Salt. And he played, he played really well, really. I think he, he played better than um, people maybe expected. Made that century. It was a great moment. Um, that match with Jimmy was terrible, but it was sort of it got a lot of viewers and it? it was interesting, but not a lot since then. Um, people have played really well against him. Um, I don't know if they're sort of up for it more, um, but yeah, and it's just sort of fizzling out, isn't it? Petering out from a not very fizzy start, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> it never fizzed that much and it's and it's fizzling out from there. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure when he'll play next then. He hasn't got loads more to play in. What was that, do you reckon? What was that? What was that? You just said something there. It was... Oh, sorry, uh, I said I don't know what, what his next tournament is then if he's not playing this. He's probably not even got loads more for the rest of the season to, to go in, really. I didn't tee it up very well. What I meant was, it was a nice way of saying it. I got it <laughs> in at the end. <laughs> I did. Not that I'm just becoming a hoary catchphrase led presenter or anything. Um, heaven, heaven, heaven forbid that idea. Um. No, was it? You, you summed it up very well with all, with all your fizzy references there. Yes, it really has been a bit of a damp squib. But what will not be a damp squib, Phil, is the UK. We'll obviously talk more at length when Philip joins us uh, in a few days' time. But this is one of those treasured ones, isn't it? The So much history. And we talk about fans not having spare cash and maybe picking and choosing their events. Well, a lot of them, frankly, will pick and choose this one. I know so many of the snooker regulars that uh, I know, some of them I know, well and to talk to some I just know by face you know they'll make an effort to make this one it's got that great gonna say it another one gravitas it's got that it's got that luster it's got that history it's got that quality it's got the beautiful setting in York and uh we just yeah we, we just can't wait a bit early than normal of course because the football world cup is now just around the corner but, um it's still gonna have that kind of older nights nights drawing in Christmas not far away feel and it's just going to be a special event on the way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I wanted to mention, uh, Will Snooker did that video, I don't know if you saw it, where it was based in York yeah. with the sort of Viking stuff, um, which was great in a sort of funny way. They had Neil Robertson, Luca Rosella, Sean Murphy sort of pretending to be Vikings with their snooker cues and Jiaoxing Tong sort of placed around York in, in his normal clothes, but just with a helmet on. It was, it was quite daft, but it was entertaining. It was. I, I didn't see it all. I saw, but Robertson just sort of shouted, didn't he? Or, oh. one, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I need to look at that a bit more. Wonderful city. Uh, our, our mate mm-hmm. of love going there, and I know you're, you're who, who isn't a big York fan, so we look forward very much to that event. I think we tick past the hour mark, Phil. Our second relatively short episode in a row i think we're both particularly busy at the moment so that's kind of the aim but um but we might drag on a little bit more with philip there's lots of great matches to talk about aren't there of course and we'll reflect more on the qualifiers on friday see you then look forward to it yeah absolutely i did just look actually hendry's playing matthew stevens in the german masters qualifiers this month so that's when he's playing next um we'll tie up that loose end but yeah no pleasure as always and uh speak to you on friday we we'll look forward to it when we're joined by Philip Studd to look ahead to the UK Championship. Congratulations to Ronnie O'Sullivan, another big title. 
the seven-time world champion and world number one. He has won the champion of champions tonight here in the UK, uh, beating uh, Judd Trump in the final. Keep your thoughts coming to us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. See you on Friday. But for now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.